Hey ladies and gentlemen, this is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild and Free podcast. Today we have a special guest on the show who has a really interesting and unique background. Uh, she, her name is Amy Lee Goodman and she's the co-founder of the plant-based food company Zibble Inc. that is committed to providing delicious plant-based foods to frost a better future. And if you're wondering what I mean by frost a better future, it's a frosting, vegan-based frosting uh, food uh, company. So that's why I like that, frost a better future. Um, she is co-author of recently released book, Rethink Food, 100 Plus Doctors Can't Be Wrong, and the monthly wellness contributor to Vegan Lifestyle Magazine. She graduated with honors from Wellesley College with a degree in political science, and she currently resides in New York. Welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm great, David. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad you could be a part of the show. Uh, the first question I ask all of my guests is how did the world of food and health become a part of your life and your passion? Well, it really was kind of two different ways that I came to this. One was from a primarily health perspective, which is my younger sister was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when she was just nine. And the doctors told my parents that this was it. My sister was going to live on pain medications um, in the form of embryo injections twice a day and chemotherapy for methotrexate. And there was nothing that they could do for her. And this went on for about seven years. And I watched as my sister became really a skeleton of her former self. And my mom read the China study by Dr. T. Con Campbell. She's the type of woman that doesn't take no for an answer. And I think I get my research skills from her. And she read about how animal products are really damaging and uh, pro-inflammatory and how they can actually lead to a lot of our chronic conditions today, but actually are really linked to autoimmune conditions like arthritis. And she decided to try it out. It was since there were no other options. She took my sister off all animal-based products. And within three months, my sister's hot spots had completely disappeared. And she's been that way ever since. The arthritis has never returned. Wow. And this was a really astounding and very inspiring uh thing to watch. You know, it was really incredible to see the transformation and just how key our health is to leading a really good life. And the connection between our food and our diet was something that I hadn't really connected before and I became really interested in. And that was something I studied while I was in college was food politics. And that's actually what my next book is about that's releasing in a month's time. It's called The Meaty Truth. And it's about... Uh, how are, why are the certain products today are pushed, such as meat and dairy, which are actually really damaging to our health, instead of really the nutritious foods that we should be eating, such as fruits and vegetables and grains. So that's how I came to this. It was once I learned the information, there was really no turning back, and I've just become so passionate about spreading that message. That's cool, and that's cool to see and hear that your sister had a positive transformation. How long has how long has it been since she has um, had those changes and that positive impact in her life? About eight years. Wow. And what was really interesting was that as I was doing the research for Rethink Food, where we went out and 
interviewed over 100 doctors from around the world that are all traditional MDs, and we asked them for patient stories, which are included in our book. And someone had, in India, a young boy had a very similar story to my sister. And there were so many types of stories like this that show that it's really not anecdotal it really is very directly connected. The relationship between our food and the chronic conditions that we're seeing today, our society as a global society has never actually been so sick. And if you look at the rate of chronic conditions about 100 years ago compared to today, they were basically non-existent. So you have to think about what happened, what changed. And when you look at it, it comes down to what we're consuming and what we're putting into our bodies. Right. And, and today, like you said in your book, disease seems normal. It seems like a, a normal thing. I mean, people are sick, they're, they have aches and pains and inflammation, and the list goes on and on. Uh, do you think that diet is really the main culprit for disease becoming normal, or do you think there's other aspects to that as well? I definitely think it's a mentality that we're taught, right? You know, how many times do you hear heart disease runs in my family or mm -hmm. cancer runs in my family or diabetes runs in my family? It's something that we're conditioned to believe. Um, and I think it's twofold. First of all, Physicians are actually not taught about nutrition in medical school. My older brother is a doctor. And he went to Tufts University. And I was asking him what they learned in their curriculum. And they only get 15 hours of nutrition. And it's really overlooked. It's basically, you know, certain vitamins that you should get. But there's no relationship between how certain foods can actually promote health while other foods can actually damage our health. And there's no... Whenever they look at patients, they never ask them what they're eating or really about their lifestyle patterns. It's a very disease-centered approach. So I think that's definitely one problem is when we go to our doctors, that's what we're hearing is that this is normal, everybody has it, it ran in your family, and here's you know pills that we can give you. And it's actually not the physician's fault. And we address that in chapter two, what's missing in medicine is that we really need to change our approach to medicine and how we think about food. And then if you think about it, actually 70% of our wellness comes from our lifestyle. And a big part of our lifestyle is what we eat. Everything that you put in your body is either going to promote um, a healthy lifestyle, or it's going to hurt it. And over time, we've eaten a lot more processed foods. We're eating a lot more meat and dairy products because they're cheaper. They're subsidized by the government. And rather, fruits and vegetables have become something that are more scarce. Whereas we look at, at what our ancestors ate, they had a lot more variability in their diet, and they ate a lot more whole foods. So I definitely think that this rise in disease is very directly connected to our food and then also our societal mentality. Right. So it's just to share a little bit of you know, my kind of approach to health and, and diet and life, uh, I'm, I'm not a vegan, but I do eat more vegan than most people for sure uh, because the, from, what I, from what I understand and just from seeing in, in, in the world around us, we, our society eats, I don't know, like four times as much meat as we used to, four times as much dairy. It's grossly like inflated and bloated. Like it's insane how much more meat and dairy our society consumes now than was once consumed. 
Do you think that there's still a place for meat and dairy, and do you think it has something to do with quality at all, like a like a organic versus non-organic or free range versus um, you know encaged uh, animals and things like that? Um. I actually think that, well, first of all, um, the type of meat and dairy that's mainly sold is, is as you point out, really terrible. Mm -hmm. um, with the growth hormones and the types of toxins that they put in, it really takes meat and dairy to a whole, other, a whole other level of destruction. But actually, after everything that I've read, it's I really don't think that meat and dairy has a place in our body or a place in our diet because it is so pro-inflammatory. And one thing to consider is that when your body, when you eat, you know, conventionally raised chicken or free range chicken, your body doesn't know the difference. It's still going to process it in the same way. And it's still going to become inflamed, whether you have free range or or ones that have added toxins and, you know, so-called ingredients and fillers in them. Um, the amount of studies that we looked at that showed just the inflammation that comes from it. So basically what it comes down to is your body, um, you know, to get a little sciencey here, um, your body likes to operate in an alkaline environment. And meat and dairy are highly acidic. So when you put meat and dairy into your body, it changes the alkalinity and the pH balance. And your body has to get back to that alkaline level because that's how we best operate. So it's going to start taking you know, resources and nutrients that our body could otherwise use in order to buffer the acid. So for instance, um, this is why we have such a high rate of osteoporosis in countries that actually consume the most dairy. Um, dairy is highly acidic and calcium is a neutralizer. So when you eat dairy or drink dairy products, um, you put an you uh, change the acidity, making your body more acidic, and your body has to deal with that right away. It's not like us who can procrastinate working on something. So it's actually going to draw the calcium out of the bones to neutralize it, and that's how you can actually get weaker and brittle bones from drinking dairy rather than the effects that we want it to achieve, which is stronger bones. Mm -hmm. So the calcium absorption is actually very low. And another example that's been known for years is that when you eat a meal high in dairy and meat, for four hours, your body is in a state of inflammation. And this is how chronic inflammation happens, such as heart disease or a lot of the other underlying conditions. So when you eat something that is very inflammatory, it actually stiffens your arteries. And it takes the body about four to five hours to reduce that inflammation. But in between four and five hours, it's time for your next meal, right? So you're going to eat it and you're going to inflame the body again, and it's going to take another four to six hours. So you're really living in this low-grade state of inflammation that over time, heart disease and cancer takes at least 10 years to develop. You're going to start developing these chronic conditions. And that's why around you know 10 and 11 years old, we're starting to see kids that actually have the first signs of heart disease. Wow. 10 and 11. Yeah. 10 and 11. It's getting younger and younger. Wow. Interesting. So in, in food, obviously, obviously, we know the food that we eat plays a role in our health and well-being, the nutrition, the vitamins, the minerals, and antioxidants, and things like that. 
all play a role in, in you know, helping, like you said, balance the pH of our body and uh, creating a, a, a non-inflammatory state within our body. Um, let's talk a little bit about how the food that we eat affects the environment around us because obviously our health is important and really pretty much anyone cares about their own personal health. But what about the environment and the world around us? How does our decisions affect that? That's a really great question. That's actually, um, you know, our the first book, Rethink Food, really addresses the healthcare side, you know, the really intimate connection between our food and our health. And the second book, The Meaty Truth, discusses this full circle connection between our food health and our environment. So our food actually has a direct impact on our environment, and it can be negative or it can be positive. And study after study shows that meat and dairy are actually use more resources and waste more resources than it does to grow plants and fruits and vegetables and grains. So for instance, it takes about 5,000 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef, where it takes only 25 pounds to produce a pound of wheat. That's just one example. It also takes... Um, about seven football field size of grain to produce the soybeans that you need to feed these animals. And then the animals eat the soybeans and then we eat, you know, some of the people eat the animals. But it's actually not a very efficient mechanism because the way that we grow it today actually destroys the soil. So you have to keep degrading the land to get, you know, more land to grow soybeans, and it just continues. This is why we're losing the Amazon rainforest. And what people don't always understand, because it's not in front of us and we're not seeing the destruction every day, is that every little being actually is in that you know, kind of web of life. And if you really take out an entire species, it affects the entire ecosystem. And what we're doing is really destroying our environment with absolutely no idea of the repercussions. And we only have, you know, as the same, like we only have one body to live in, we only have one earth to live on. So we have to treat it the same way. We have to preserve it. We have to be really conscious of the amount of resources that we're using. Um, water is something that in particular people in the United States very much take for granted. But what most people don't realize is we're already in water wars. The, you know, California is one of the prime examples where we have droughts all the time. And people are already fighting over clean access to water. And that's something that meat and dairy really destroys, as well as um, some of the, one thing that we do talk about is actually manure spills. So your housing, you know, when you have these concentrated factories where these animals are produced, where thousands and thousands of animals are crowded into a very confined space, they have to put the feces and the waste from the animals somewhere. So they've created these huge, massive, 30 feet size lagoons, pretty much like foot, uh, 30 feet deep, and then about 100 feet wide, so like a football field size, um, lagoons that they just let the feces evaporate into the air. But the problem is these lagoons break and they spill. And actually some of, there have been manure spills that have been bigger than the BP oil spill, but we just don't wow. hear about it. Really? What, so, uh, 
sorry, just yeah, curious, where, where, where has, I haven't heard about that at all. So that's just uh, on like people's farms or what? Yeah, so on these factory farms, like North Carolina is actually a really big place where they have had these huge, massive spills that have, um, you know, killed like upwards of 200,000 fish. And um, the spill is actually, you know, equivalent in the size to the BP oil spill. And this is just a couple years ago. Wow. And I've last never heard of that. year. Crazy. Yeah, and last year. Um, they had, you know, there were three spills in the Iowa region that were massive. And the problem is, is that these things are happening, but nobody knows about them. So, for instance, with the North Carolina spill that is bigger than. The Exxon Valdez spill, which is kind of, you know. cascading down into and it's extremely unhealthy it contains e coli and all these other foodborne illnesses and it's really destroying our waterways so the delmarva peninsula in the northeast region of the united states is home to you know uh, really big chicken factories so you know think kfc and the water a fourth of that of the chesapeake bay is now degraded simply because of manure and most people don't know about this. It doesn't make the news headlines because manure is not a sexy topic, you know, to talk about. But it's actually becoming a really big problem. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, it's just so much, so many animals in such a small, confined space. It makes sense that that that's that's a problem in and of itself because you need to manage and maintain certain effects of that. Um, so I'm curious, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, diet and, and environment and sustainability, um, I, like I said, I, I'm not a vegan, but I do eat much more vegan than most people. Do you think that someone can still be a vegan yet still eat to, they can still eat fruits and vegetables or um, somewhat healthy, but still have a bad impact on their health and the environment? And to, to kind of add to that question, uh, what do you, how do you think genetically modified foods and, and pesticides and all these things play a role as well because there's a lot of people eating quote-unquote healthy but they're still not healthy and the environment is still impacted negatively by their decisions. Right so one thing we actually promote is not a vegan diet but a whole food plant-based diet and here's why. You can eat vegan but you can eat potato chips all day. Mm -hmm. You know there's no animal products in potato chips but that doesn't mean it's healthy at all. And so many people will turn vegan and they'll eat, they'll, you know, they'll survive on French fries and salad, which is nowhere close to being healthy and, you know, also has a lot of processed foods in it. You know, French fries aren't healthy for you. So it's actually really going back to our roots, you know, going back to a, a more whole food, plant-based diet and realizing that that's actually the optimum way our body is designed to function. You know, you can... Uh, one of the things that we address in Rethink Food is becoming a processed person. You know, processed foods are ubiquitous in our market today, and they're not healthy. You know, they're filled with so many food-like substances that we actually don't know their effects on the body. You know, our body is hasn't had any 
previous exposure to a lot of the things, you know, that we're putting into it, and then doesn't know how to react. And this is actually one of the reasons that they hypothesize a lot of people are becoming allergic to peanuts um, due to genetic mod modification, as well as develop developing gluten intolerance to wheat, because that's also one of the most genetically modified foods. You know, you can't play with... Um, play with food and play with the, you know, the science and expect it to be okay. It might be a cheaper way necessarily to produce, but it's definitely, you know, the amount of pesticides and stuff is completely degrading to the soil and it actually ruins it. So you have to, again, go through deforestation and land degradation. And we just don't have those resources available to feed, you know, the ever-growing population. Um, and genetically modified foods are really not our answer to feeding a growing population because of their negative effects, which we don't know about. But, you know, some studies have definitely shown that they are really damaging to our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just makes sense. The more chemicals, petroleum-based chemicals you spray on something, the less our bodies are going to align with that because it, it's not evolutionarily speaking we haven't we haven't done this before so it doesn't our bodies are confused our immune systems are confused um, and it is interesting too you bring up the Amazon rainforest because that's something I'm very passionate about the preservation of the Amazon rainforest because uh, not many people know this but obviously well obviously the oxygen production is very valuable but over 33 percent over 30 percent of all pharmaceutical drugs have come from an Amazon rainforest plant from its base, from its very, from understanding specific medicinal plants in the rainforest. And then pharmaceutical companies obviously create the, uh, the synthetic version of that and then patent it and sell it. So the medicinal value of the rainforest and all rainforests, really not just the Amazon rainforest, but all rainforests are very, very important for healing these diseases. And if we're tearing it down to, uh, you know, let cattle roam and, and, and have cattle for uh, the growing meat consumption, it really just doesn't make a lot of sense. It really just feeds sickness instead of health and, and balance and, and harmony. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so what, what other decisions in our life? I mean, obviously, food plays a large role. Um, what other decisions in our life affect our health and well-being and the environment around us? Because, I mean, we live in a world that is highly commercialized. I, there's a product for everything. There's 50,000 products for every, you know, every whatever. I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quantity, but there's not a lot of quality. And I think you understand the difference between quality products and quality food in a quality life, as opposed to a quantity based life, which is what the media and uh, marketing and advertising wants us to have. They want us to have more, not better, if you will. So what other decisions and choices do we make in our lives that affect our health and well-being and the environment around us? Well, um, food obviously is the first part and people don't even realize like how much power they have, especially college students. You know, college students hold about $600 billion worth of power, you know, in their voting, you know, by choosing like what they want to eat on campus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never too early to really push for good reforms. Um, also cleaning ingredients, you know, things that it's really about um, you know, taking out as many toxins as possible. So eating organic um, as well as buying all natural products is something that, you know, people really should value. I mean, that's what 
you you don't know what's in there, so you don't know what you're really spreading around in your home. And the more that people actually go towards and choose higher quality products, um, the more that companies will realize, okay, this is where the consumer is going. You know, and I think it's it really is a um, an issue with the mentality of you know more is better, but as you say, it's really about the quality of the product. So I think it really also starts at education. You know, getting people to realize that. Um, they really need to invest in themselves as much as they invest in their careers or wanting a great car, saving up for something. You have to start with you first, and that starts with your home and what you put into your body. And um, from there, you can really start to change the system. You know, it starts with speaking out. It starts with education and, um, you know, buying only what you need. And that way, you know, you don't have to kind of buy into this mentality of more, more, more. Mm -hmm. Very true. So you, you have a degree in political science. What is there? Is there going to be a political future ahead for you in any way? Um, I would hope so. <laughs> I the second book, The Meaty Truth, is really along the lines of what I studied. It's all about food politics and really, you know, the role, the impacts it has on democracy, as well as the impacts that it has on, you know, our economics, our government, um, our corporate environment. You know, food is really essentially power. Whoever controls food honestly has one of the most powerful positions. And it's looking at um, just how representative our democracy is when you have really big corporations being able to have a substantial say in food policies and food laws that actually go against you know, public opinion. And GMOs is a really great example where the public would like labeling, but corporations are able to um, lobby and uh, give financial contributions to candidates that can actually uh, change the laws in their favor. So that is definitely something that I would like to push forward. I think it's really important. And, you know, food really is the underlying basis of health and wellness. Um, and it really, you know, the people's voices should be able to be represented in that. Yeah, for sure. Do you think, as far as subsidies are concerned, do you think that that's just a detrimental system overall to subsidize food? I don't think if, I think it's detrimental when you subsidize the wrong food. Mm -hmm. So right now we have a system where the retail price that you pay at the grocery store for meat and dairy is completely 100% different than the actual price of the product. And basically, if you go and you see a three you know dollar carton of milk, the real price is three times that. It's nine dollars. So if people actually paid the real price, you wouldn't see so many people eating meat and dairy anymore. And actually, fruit and vegetables by comparison, which do not have the same level of subsidies, would be cheaper, which they actually are. So, you know, it's this this deception when you go to the grocery store. And one of the things we do address is the real cost of what it um, takes to make cheap food, you know, factoring in the healthcare costs, as well as, you know, the environmental costs and the production costs. And when you get down to it, meat and dairy are just too expensive for us to actually handle environmentally and um, for our health. 
So if the, if the government actually switched and invested more in fruits and vegetables, we would have a much healthier society and a more sustainable society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And the, the real true cost, seeing the full picture, is difficult to see when you're shopping at the grocery store, and, but that is definitely plays a factor in a role and um, definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so so what is, what is uh, Zibble exactly? So Zibble is a plant-based company that I have with my mom. And the real inspiration for Zibble is to have a, is to be a transition to show that you can, you know, so many people when they hear about eating whole food or plant-based or even vegan for that matter, you know, think that you live on lettuce and, you know, desserts and everything else are going to taste terrible. Right. And it's really not true. I mean, you can go out and have a really bad meal that, you know, involves chicken and or fish or a cream-based sauce. You know, but when it comes to eating something that most people aren't familiar with, I mean, it's just gotten a bad rap. So while it's not a health food at all, the one thing that we wanted to do is to really teach people and open their eyes that actually you can have a really great dessert um, that doesn't have any animal products in it. Um, or any GMOs in it, or any, you know, things that aren't unnatural in it, like unnatural flavorings. Um, and that's kind of our launching point to say, okay, now that you've realized that you can eat something that's really good that doesn't, um, you know, have any of these products in it. I mean, sugar's not healthy, but you can, you can open their eyes up and start educating them about everything else that really transitions them to realizing, okay, like, you know, I can, um, it really isn't bad. I can start eating, you know, more healthy. And that's really the goal of it. We also partner with nonprofits um, to really, that are also really working to change the world and have a positive impact. And we give a portion of our proceeds to them. Very cool. That's so cool. I think it's such it, it's interesting you share that too because the next uh, phase of my life and product that I'm creating, I I hope to do a very very similar thing in creating a product that uh, redefines that category, if you will, and at the same time has a charitable uh, aspect to it as well. So that's that's really cool and really inspiring, and it's it's cool to use business and commerce in a way that uh, has that positive impact because. Not a lot of people are doing that, and more people seeing more people step up to the plate in that kind of way is really inspiring. So, definitely keep that up. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to see your product. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I am too. Trust me. It's been it's been a long time coming. <laughs> uh, so the the final question I have for you is, I, and I ask everyone this on the show: What are your top three pieces of advice for living a healthy, wild, and free life? And that could mean anything. Uh, to do with mind, body, or spirit health in any of those categories? Okay, well, my, um, my first thing would be to get informed, um, to get educated, and probably the first food that I would drop from anybody's diet would be dairy. I think it's the most toxic, contaminated substance, and there's really no place for it in our diet. So that would be my first thing to start going on a healthier track. My second is to really is for people to really step back and invest in themselves. You know, really realize that you are worth it and even though most of us live really crazy busy lives, um to really think about um 
you know, where they want to go and, and how investing in yourself today will really create that future that you want and be able to help you succeed in that job or family or success, however you define it. And my third thing is to um, for people really to realize that they are self-empowered, that they really hold the keys to their health, wellness, and success. And that really takes a lot of responsibility for our actions, whether that be, you know, how we impact the environment or how we even impact ourselves and realizing that we can take control and we can make that positive change. Very cool. And I agree 100 percent. That's those are all great pieces of advice. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners learn more about you, your your current book, and your future books and your future work online? Thanks. Um, so you can visit www.rethinkfoodbook.com. That's our website, and that has information for both books. You can also find us on Facebook at Rethink Food, as well as on Twitter at Rethink Food. And we are, you can also find me on there as well at Amy Lee Goodman. And you can find our book at all major retailers, um, Amazon, Barnes Noble online. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And for everyone listening to the podcast, please leave a review for the podcast in iTunes. Share, share what, uh, what you enjoyed about the podcast and what you enjoyed about this episode specifically. Um, thank you so much for your time, Amy. Have an awesome rest of the day and keep doing what you're doing, all right? Thanks so much, David. You too. It's so great to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. Bye. Bye.